Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us at Life Family Church Podcast. We exist to reach, disciple, and empower people to live in the fullness of God. If you're new to our church or want to learn more about us and what we believe, you can check us out online by simply going to lifefamilychurch.net. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Well, would you please give a Life Family Church, welcome to Pastor Todd DeLay as he comes. One of my best friends. Praise God. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. You can be seated. Wasn't that such a good word? Man, we could go home and say it was good. And, um, but man, um, so honored to be here. Thank you, those who um, are here tonight on Sunday night. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you made the church. Find some else around you say, I'm glad you made the church. You got to say that with some more enthusiasm. It looked like you guys barely made it to church tonight. I made church. I made church. <laughs> hey, this beats the insane asylum. I mean, this beats the hospital. I mean, this even beats some, home, some, some family reunions I've been at. You know, you got them outlaws. I mean, in-laws you got to deal with them. Oh, y'all don't know my in-laws. No, I'm kidding. Are y'all ready for the word tonight? Let's just jump right into it. Turn back to John chapter 17, verse number 14. This is where we left off this morning. Enjoy this morning's message. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God already knows. If God already knows, then we know. John chapter 17, verse number 14. And as you're turning there, I got some... Some fresh revelation. I got some download from heaven um, about some things about the church, and we talked about it this morning, and our responsibility in this world that we're, we're called to be a part of and to be in, but not of. But notice what Jesus said, verse 14. I've given them your word. Aren't you thankful for the word? Thank God for the word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world. Now, this is Jesus talking to God. They're having a conversation here. And just as I am not of the world, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world. Isn't that interesting? And Jesus was basically saying, God, I want them to be in the world. Okay? I want them to impact the world. I want them to influence the world. It goes on, um, but that you should keep them from the evil one. And we talked about this morning, uh, knowing that the world is under the sway of Satan, under the sway of the wicked one, and how we're called out of that. Um, and then it goes on here, verse number 16. They are not of the world. He said that again. They are not of the world. Look at your neighbor and say, you are not of this world. Come on, how many believe that today? Amen. Amen. Just as I am not of the world. Verse 17, sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth. Verse 18, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. When I was reading this a while back, that verse number 18 like jumped out at me. How many ever read the scripture and like that, that one verse just jumps out at you? And man, it just was like I was in another realm because it was just so powerful to me. And he said, well, read that again, Todd. And I said, I'll read it again. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Well, how do we as believers respond to the world? It's an interesting question. There's a lot of answers to that. But we respond to the world the same way that God sent Jesus to the world. Turn over to John chapter 3. John chapter 3 verse number 16. And I... I... I really um, have gone to the Lord several times about this message... Um, it's one of those kind of messages that um, you'll be saying a lot of oh me, oh my's to instead of hallelujah glories. Um, it's one of those messages that we need to hear. And, you know, some of those messages that it, you, you'll hear and it'll be like, oh, that hurts so good. I mean, you know what I mean by that? That hurts so good. I needed to hear that kind of message. And really, when you have revival meetings like these, and when you have uh, meetings, Holy Ghost meetings, or whatever terminology you want to use, there is more than just um, having a good time um, in the Holy Ghost. Thank God for that. But these meetings, if true impartation 
is to take place, then there's a growing up that has to take place. And how many here want to grow up? I mean, I, want, I don't want to just stay the same and enjoy the presence of God. I love the Holy Ghost. I love, we had a great move of the Holy Ghost this whole week so far. But if it doesn't do me any good in the fact that I've stayed the same spiritually, then I have to really ask, was it a lot of put on? Was it just a lot of rah, rah, re, kick the devil in the knee kind of thing? Can I be real today? So I, I want more than that. I want, a, I want to grow in the things of God. So we're, we're going to talk about that tonight. Notice in John chapter 3 verse number 16. Familiar scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So if we're to go back to John chapter 17. And Jesus said as you send me in the world. Sent me into the world. I have sent them into the world. Well how was Jesus sent to the world? God so loved the world that he gave. God's love for the world sent Jesus. How did Jesus send the church into the world? We must love the world. Now that doesn't mean that we're going to be like the world. But we're to love the world with the same kind of love that God had in Jesus when he gave Jesus to the world. So there is a power in love whenever we as believers accept Jesus as our personal Savior. That love that God has for the world is already placed inside of us because Jesus came to dwell inside of us by the Holy Spirit. Now we know scriptures have said that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Well that love is not just to feel good in God's presence and, and for God to embrace us and hug us. and Those things are great, but that love is for the world around us. Now, how did God love the world? That's the next question. Well, we find the answer of that in verse 17. Check this out. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. That the world through him might be saved. So how does God's love work in the world? And how does that love work in us to the world? Well, number one, we must understand God's love does not condemn all right, hold on for the ride. I'm building something here. God's love does not condemn. Now, we'll go into this, but God's love does convict, but it doesn't condemn. Now, this revelation of God's love is huge. And we must never forget how much God not only loves us, but loves the world around us. And when we get that full revelation of God's love and God is love, we will experience the fullness of God. Now, turn over to Ephesians chapter number 3. Ephesians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul understood the love of God and how important it was for the church to love the world. And I said it this morning, you know, we as believers shouldn't just have bless me clubs. And there's a true problem whenever we're not seeing churches grow um, or churches seeing salvations taking place in, anymore. That's a problem. People should be coming to churches and being saved. Can I get a better amen than that? And me as a pastor, over two decades of pastoring and been in the ministry for three decades, I ask myself that continually in a small town, 6,500 people, we need more salvations. Amen. I believe we can take our city, we can take our county, we can take, we can take the state, we can take the world. Because it's on the inside of us. The power of God's with us. And how do we do that? Through His love. This is this, mm. Now notice what Paul said. He was praying this prayer, verse number 14. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man. There is a purpose for us being strengthened by his Spirit. It goes on, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being what? Rooted and grounded in love. 
He goes on is that you may comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So much he said right there. First of all, he said you need to be strengthened with might by, by the Holy Ghost. You need to have faith in Christ. And then twice he talks about the love of Christ or the love of God. He talks about how important it is for the church. Somebody say the church. Because he's praying um, for the church at Ephesus who was impacting that whole region phenomenally. I mean, tens of thousands of people were coming to church. And, and he was saying, all right, you need to be strengthened in mind by the Holy Ghost. It's important to have Holy Ghost meetings like this. It's important to, as a minister of the gospel, to allow, give room for the Holy Ghost to move in our services. It brings, he brings strength and might to the believers when you allow the Spirit of God to move. But also, we must continually be building our faith in him. But then, he talks about being rooted and grounded in love. The foundation upon which we do everything as a church is that love that sent Jesus to this world. It's that love that Jesus sent us out to into the world. That's what we build everything on. Is the love of God. In fact, you can go do a study um, with the churches, um, the, the pastoral epistles, as well as, you know, the letters to the church. The majority of them, uh, Paul starts out saying, I heard of your faith and your love. I heard about your faith and your love. What better reputation to have in a community than faith and love? When people hear about this church and when they hear about the churches that you attend, it's not, oh, they have a move of the Holy Ghost. Thank God for that. But really, churches should be known for their faith and their love, and then they'll, they'll be known for the Holy Ghost. Because Paul was trying to get across to the church at Ephesus that you need to, you need to have the Holy Ghost. You need to be strengthened with might. By the Holy Ghost. You need to have faith in Christ. But you must know that you've got to be rooted and grounded in love. Hallelujah. That way you can comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the length, the depth, the height. To know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. The love of God will blow your mind. Passes knowledge. Uh, let, me, let me give you an example of just passes knowledge. There's times that you know somebody that just knows how to push your buttons. How many know somebody that just knows how to push your buttons? Come on, somebody. Don't look to your neighbor. Some of you are like, you're talking, to the, you're talking to him. He's the one that's pushing my buttons. But then there's something up on the inside of you that rises up, even though your flesh wants to punch, just slap the, the devil out of them. But there's something rises up on the inside of you and chooses to love them anyways. It doesn't make sense in your mind, but you choose to love them anyways. That's when you're starting to experience the fullness of God, when you can love the unlovable. When you can love the ones, even though you don't agree with them, even though they might even be missing God according to your opinion, you can still love them regardless. It blows your mind why they do the things they do. As pastors, I, I, I tell my wife, what in the world are they thinking? You know, Miss Daphne says there's a lot. The hardest uh, thing for pastors um, when it comes to ministering is that you can't make decisions for people. It's hard because, you know, they're about to make the wrong decision. I've imparted, I've done everything I know how to do, but they still go off and they do the crazy things that they do. And vice versa, I know that you're sitting out there and, and as a pastor, you're sitting there, there's crazy things that my pastor's doing. I don't understand why he wants to do those things all the time. But there's something on the inside of you that says, I love him anyways. <laughs> I didn't mean to look at Dr. Jack right there, but anyways. <laughs> there's, just, there's just things that just don't make sense. It's out of your mind why he does what he does. But you love him anyways. <laughs> Amen. Why? Because it's the love of God that's on the inside of it. It's the love of God that sends us out into the world. That's why churches should never be a bless me club. Because if we're just us four and no more, we're not allowing the love of God to come through us and impact the world around us. 
turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Go over a couple, about a chapter there, whatever it is. Love is how we experience the fullness of God. You know, so many people want to get filled with God. So many people want, need a, a fresh, uh, you know, touch from God. And all that's good. And I believe in that 100%. But, but you got to realize to experience all of God, you have to experience all of his love. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 says this, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. Or we can say like this, do what God does. What's the first thing that God's ever done? Love. It goes on and says this, and walk in love as Christ has also loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a, for a sweet smelling aroma. Our love walk smells good to God. Amen. And it's more than us just walking in love with uh, people that we, we go to church with. There's, there's a huge element of that. But it's also learning how to walk in love with the waitress who doesn't serve you good enough. It's, it's the time when you, why, why is we always bring up Walmart? But anyways, Walmart, you're walking through Walmart, and you look down, the, the line is like forever, and you see two cashiers, and there's five cashiers in the back just talking. And you're sitting there going, really, get to work. Is that, I guess that's just me. I don't think anybody's ever thought of that before. I'm like, but so I have to immediately say, well, hold up here. It's, I'm not the supervisor of this Walmart. I'm not in control of this. I'm going to just walk in love. Jesus, help me walk in love. And we all have little things that just push our buttons. But really, if, if I'm going to experience the fullness of God, I've got to know that I can't just, just think that I'm going to experience that fullness in church that I can experience that fullness of God at Walmart. I need to experience the fullness of God at Walmart. I mean, why? Because it's that love, his love in me that causes me to not understand why I, I, I don't respond the way I want to. But I'm going to love that person. Because why? God loves him. I, I, I have to see through the eyes. I have to see through the filter of God's love people around me. Um, we as a church must not be prejudiced to people that don't have what we have. And just because they look a certain way, act a certain way, we should never stick up our nose around people like that. Uh, let me give you a little testimony. I'm a preacher's kid um, that, that sat on the back row with a hangover on Sunday mornings. I was the one that, that did the drugs, that had the mullet. Praise God, mullet's coming back, y'all. I'm telling y'all, man. Uh, I mean, hey, the Holy Ghost is in the mullets. <laughs> yes, he is. <laughs> y'all don't even know, but until <laughs> you get a mullet, then you know. But anyways... And so I'm sitting on the back row, preacher's kid, and I, 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 would, I would come in with an earring and all that kind of stuff. That was back in the 80s. And all the church people would just sit there and stare at me. Yeah, that's that preacher's kid. You know, we're praying for him. <laughs> and I felt that prejudice. I mean, a prejudice is not a skin thing. It's much more than that. <laughs> much more than that. It's a lack of love. Period. So I'm sitting on the back row and I'm getting judgmental things all the time. And I'm supposed to be going to church to receive the love of God, but I'm getting condemnation. I was being judged by the clothes that I wore and all the kinds of things. But thank God that I went to church for God and not because the people were there. I finally had to realize that whenever I was like 20 years old, 19 years old, get my life right, sitting on the back row, I really don't give a flip who's going to be at church. I'm coming because I need, I need God. I need Jesus. Come on, somebody. And I needed his love. And, and even though the church that I was going to at that time was, it could have a judgmental thing about them and all that, I still, I just love, I needed him. I was that desperate. And then, you know, God started cleaning me up and, and, and just started, um, you know, loving on God and started serving in the church. And then one day I was ushering. Mm-mm-mm. One day I was ushering, I look across the room, and I see a blonde babe sitting across the room. 
And so when I'm looking over there, I'm thinking, I've got, I got to get my life right. I don't need to be looking at girls. And, um, but I was just like, she's good looking. And, but I'm like, I passed the bucket. Don't be, you know, I mean, I, I had to focus on my love for God. The next thing you know, um, my, my, that, that, that beautiful blonde becomes my wife. And thank God for that because I've, I stayed focused on the love of God and God sent the right person to me. Hallelujah. That's a short story of the whole thing because I could tell you about a golf match that we had our first date and all that kind of stuff, but this is not going to be a marriage conference. But it was, it was one of those times that God supernaturally intervened. Why? Because I just fell in love with God. I didn't want the church thing, didn't want the hypocrisy, didn't want any of that kind of stuff. I, I wanted God. And I let her win. No, actually not that time. I won that time. Turn back over to John chapter 3, verse number 16. Let's move right along. <laughs> John chapter 3, verse number 16. So God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Notice this. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. The Passion Translation of verse 17 says this, God did not send his son into the world to judge and condemn the world, but to be its savior and rescue it. Love, God's love, never does not bring condemnation. Let me build this a little bit here. This word condemnation means to punish. This word condemnation, it means to judge. It actually means this, to pronounce an opinion concerning right or wrong. We as believers have to be so careful because of the influence of the world that we don't step into condemnation, have an opinion about how somebody's doing something. Whether we think it's right or wrong. Because if we start thinking they're right or I'm right, they're wrong. And really, actually, only God knows if they're right or wrong. And I'm actually tipping over into that world's way of, of love. And I begin to actually um, um, tell them my opinion about a certain situation. How they should react. How they respond. Is it a judgmental kind of love? Or is it something that the Lord by the Holy Ghost is telling me to encourage them not to do? All of us at one time or another have been very guilty of this. Because we love people. We love people that are in our lives. We love them so much so that we have to be so careful that we don't step into a judgmental condemnation way of trying to help them. Well, in all actuality, it's God's love on the inside of us that should bring conviction, not condemnation. Now, we're going to talk about the difference between the two. I'm going to show you scripturally. We as believers, because there is that sway of the wicked one in the body of Christ. I've seen it myself. I've actually have to say I've actually done this myself to where this love that I have for people so much, and I don't want them to make a mistake. I don't want them to miss it, that I actually pass a judgment on them because after they make the decision to do something that I didn't feel that they should do, I start judging them for that. And I've had to really check my heart out, especially as a pastor, because um, I pour my heart out into what I do. I, I love doing what I do. And if I'm not careful when somebody leaves the church, I'm going to have to stop myself and not pass judgment on them because the reason why they left the church is not scriptural, it's not right. No, 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 no. Hold up. Because if it's the love of God and it's the truth of God's word, it'll convict them and they'll stay or they'll continue to go. It's up to them. I just release it. I'm going to show you some examples of this. Are you still with me tonight? Hey, we're still going to pray. We're still going to pray for you. Lay hands on people. We're still going to have a move of the Holy Ghost. So don't worry. <laughs> we, we just got to get into the word here a little bit. I mean, it is a what? Okay, good. As long as we got that down. All right, good. Romans chapter 8, verse number 1. We know this. You can turn it if you like. I'm just going to quote it here. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. To those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So this tells me that if I am in a condemning love, I'm in the flesh. 
If I'm out of the love of God who, who doesn't condemn the world, doesn't condemn people, but if I am in the love of God and it brings conviction, then true healing will take place. But if, if I'm in this, this judgmental way of judging others and judging the way they think and all this kind of stuff, then I'm actually walking according to the flesh. I'm out of God's will. Even though I still love them, even though I want the best for them, I'm really still out of God's will. Because it's in the flesh. And we know the flesh and the spirit are contrary to each other. They, they fight each other. So I don't want to be in the flesh. And, and if I'm wrong, I'll admit I'm wrong. I miss God. Because I want to keep my relationship with God intact. Turn over to Matthew chapter 7 verse number 1. You guys know me as a, as a minister of the gospel. I, I, I like turning to scriptures. I believe line upon line, precept upon precept. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 1. Jesus said this. He says, judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use it, or the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So this, Jesus is, I mean, I love Jesus. He's straight up. He's like, if you're bringing condemnation on somebody, guess what? You're going to get some condemnation. If you're going to be judging somebody for their actions, you're going to be judging somebody because you think you know what's best for them. And they don't do what you think is best for them. You're actually going to pass a judgment on them. Guess what? There's going to be somebody else that's going to do the same to you. I don't need that. I got enough drama in my life. I don't need no more drama. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, no more drama. I, I, got, I got enough enemies. I don't need no more enemies. Well, so in a small town over the years, they've been wanting me to referee basketball games and stuff. And I'm like, uh-uh, I got enough enemies. Don't want a referee. No, no way. I'll coach my little, my, when my kids were little, I'll coach that. And I'll, and I'll do my best not to make people mad, but I'm going to coach them. And they're going to win. We ain't going to just play just because we're going to have fun. No, we're going to win. And you, if you get a trophy, it's because you earned that trophy. Hmm. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 5. Therefore, judge nothing before the time. This is so good. Until the Lord comes, who, who both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the hearts. Then each one's praise will come from God. Now, when it comes to relationships and it comes to the love of God, I am not the one to judge their actions. I'm not the one to say they're supposed to do this or not do this. That's God's responsibility. But if I see that they're doing something wrong that is even unscriptural, my responsibility, obviously, number one, is to confront that. If there's odd against your brother, go talk to them. But you do it in a God kind of loving way. Because you ultimately want that restoration to take place. So when I go and I make confrontation with people, I never point faults out immediately. I go in a way that, hey, you know, I noticed some things. I've been praying for you about some things, and I have some questions. And, you know, this decision that you made, why did you make that decision? I'm just curious. You know, I'm, I'm here for you. I want to understand. And then they'll say, well, this and this and this. And I'm like, man, I don't know. I've just been praying for you, and this is kind of what the Lord has told me to tell you. That kind of decision you shouldn't have made. And, and, but I could be wrong. I mean, I'm not perfect. I could be wrong. What do you think about that? And then they'll be like, you know what? You're right, Pastor. You're right. You know what? I shouldn't have made that decision. But I've made the mistake because I love confrontation. I love it. I'm like, is there a pink elephant in the room? Let's take the baby out. <laughs> but I've learned over the years, if there's a pink elephant in the room and I want to get it out, that elephant is big and will destroy the whole room as it's coming out. So there has to be a timing to it. And God's love teaches you how to have the right timing to approach a pink elephant in the room. Because my personality is, if that, that thing's in the room, we're going to talk about it. But then, hold up, there's many times that I have to spend the next three months cleaning up the room that I pulled the elephant out of. And it's, it's a, it was a way, I shouldn't have done it like that. And, and honestly, I've made mistakes and people have left the church because I did that. 
And, and I, 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 I've learned through pain not to do that. So I come at it in a different way. So depending on how they receive that confrontation, it's depending on where the healing is going to come from. But if they don't receive it, then I pray this scripture, God, you bring light. You bring light. And whatever they decide to do, I'm going to be there for them. If they decide to go to another church five minutes from my church, praise God for them. I let it go. I want to sing that song. Let it go. Let it go. And that's a daily thing because we live in a small town. Have I ever told you guys my butter story? Okay, good. I'm going to tell you a butter story. Here's my butter story. So I, this was years ago, and um, there was a couple in our church that just didn't like what I was doing. Like, that never happens. Um, and just didn't, just didn't like what I was doing. And um, didn't agree with it. And it was money things and all kinds of different things. And so I, I, we confronted it. Went and talked to them about it in a very loving way and, and tried to work things out. And nothing just seemed to be worked out. They just they had already made up their mind that God told them to leave the church. And I'm okay with that. If God told you, praise God, I'm not going to try to convince you differently at all. And so um, they, they made that decision and everything. And, but on the inside of me, I was mad. <laughs> Don't even think that y'all haven't even thought that way before. Somebody did something. You, and I was on the inside, I was mad about it. And, um, and because I was mad about it, it was affecting my relationship with God. Because it was, not, it was a condemning kind of love. I was passing judgment on them because they shouldn't have left. Am I getting where y'all like to be? Woo! Thank God for the Holy Ghost, man. Um, and so I'm, 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 all, I'm all upset. And so I was, I was walking with the Lord one morning because I like walking with him in the mornings. And, and uh, we were talking about it. And um, he said, so when are you going to forgive them for leaving the church? I said, Lord, I forgave them when they left. He said, no, you didn't. I said, Lord, I, I, I forgave them. He said, no, you did that with your words, but you didn't do that with your heart. And I went, you're right, like he was going to be wrong. But he, you're right. So, I mean, I immediately made a heart adjustment right there. I forgive them and I released them. And my thoughts cleared up. I didn't think about them or anything. Everything was good until I saw them at a grocery store. And then I went, uh-oh. So I got my basket, and, and I was about to do some steak. We talked about steak this morning. And how many ate steak for lunch? <laughs> that works every time. Um, but um, so I'm at, I'm at United. It's a grocery store there in Texas and I'm go, in our town. And I'm going through, and, and I needed to have, I like to do, and I'm not going to give my marinade recipe out um, other than this. Squeeze butter works great. I'll leave that alone. Not, not the flop in to squeeze, yeah, squeeze that butter in. Anyways, so I needed some squeezed butter. And so I'm in the grocery store, and I'm going towards the butter, because when I shop, I go in, get it, and get out. Yeah. Hey, how many men in the house know what I'm talking about? Just get in, get it, get it. I'm not going to say, well, this one's on sale. Yeah, grab and go, baby. And, and, and I know exactly. <laughs> I'm in the right place, Lord. <laughs> and so I go in, I go right. Well, guess who's standing at the butter aisle? The couple that just left our church. And I'm thinking, all right, I've got my basket going, so I'm going towards them. I'm like, ooh, there they are. Ooh, let's go this way. <laughs> Y'all laughing because you know exactly what I'm talking about. And I'm thinking, the whole time I'm going down this aisle, I'm thinking, I forgave them. It's all good. Until I saw them. And I'm thinking, okay, so I'm going down the aisle, and now I'm looking for beans. Don't need the beans, but I'm going to get some beans anyway. <laughs> so I'm walking down, down the aisle, and I'm thinking, okay, surely they left by now. So I go around the aisle, and I'm making this turn, and they're still standing there looking at the butter. How long does it take for you to buy butter? So I turn around, and I'm going, I guess I'm going to get some ice cream. You know? So I'm going down the ice cream aisle now. And so I'm thinking, surely by now they got their butter. So I turn around and I go back, and guess what? They're still there. Look, I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. Butter is butter. Just grab it and go. Just come on. And I'm, I'm starting to get into the flesh. I'm like, by the way, they left my church. And I'm going to have to wait on them again. All I want is my butter. God, get them. Tell them right now to get out of the butter aisle so I can get my butter. 
<laughs> and I heard on the inside, the Holy Ghost is so sweet. He goes, Todd, go get your butter. So I sucked up my pride and got that condemnation out of the way. And so I went towards them. And I was going towards their back because they were looking at the butter still. <laughs> looking at the, so I'm walking up to them and I kind of went over there to grab the, the, the squeeze butter. And they turned around and looked at me. And I smiled, hey, how are you guys doing? Like legitimately, lo in a loving way. Legitimate. I mean, like, I really, truly, because I got my heart right when I was walking over there. And I said, man, how are you guys doing? And they turned around and went, hi. Oh, Hi. <laughs> Just like that. I'm serious, man. And I'm like, well, I'm cooking steaks because I wanted to avoid confrontation because we'd already have it. And I didn't want to have it right in the middle of United over butter. So I just said, you know, I've come to, I'm, I'm doing steaks for the family tonight. And I needed to get some butter. And they go, well, that's good, Pastor. I'm so glad you're doing that for your family. And I mean, I'm like, you stirring it up. I'm like, I'm, 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 y'all don't even know what you're about. We're about to have an incident in this butter aisle. But I, home, I, I'm home. I just came to get my butter. So I went over there and I got the butter. I said, well, praise God. You know, I'm going to go hang out with the family. I love you guys. Man, if y'all need, and I was serious about it. If y'all ever need anything, I'm here for you. And they're like, yeah, yeah, okay. And so I just, I just left it at that. I got into my truck with my butter. And I'm sitting there about to go home. And I said, all right, that was awkward, Lord. And he said, you needed to do that. Because you needed to get your heart right. And what I learned through that situation, there was a time that I wouldn't allow the love of God to come on me that passes understanding. But because I went to get my butter, I learned how to walk in love with somebody that I really didn't want to walk in love with. That's the difference between condemnation, judging, and a love of God that brings no condemnation. I had every right in my mind to judge them because they were wrong. And I could have avoided them and went to another store. But I chose to face it and walk in love. Let me give you an example of this. Turn over to Luke chapter 15 verse 11. Y'all still with me tonight? Thank God for the Holy Ghost. Whoo! How does God love? If he doesn't love with condemnation, well, how does he love? Perfect example of this is the prodigal son. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. We're familiar, but let's read this. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation. The Bible says this. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them a story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. Now notice that in verse 12. We're going to get back to that. A few days later, this younger son packed up all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. And about that time, his money ran out. A great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man set him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that he even, uh, even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger." I will go to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And I'm no longer worthy to be, um, uh, no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as your hired servant. Verse 20. So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long ways off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But his father said to his servants, Quick, bring the finest robe to the house and put it on him. Give a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the calf, um, 
Get steak. See, it's scriptural to eat steak. Um, kill the calf and we will, uh, we will have fattening. Um, absolutely. But anyways, this is New Living Translation. And we must celebrate a feast for this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost but now is found. So the party began. Well, Jesus, he's giving this example. He's telling this story and he's basically telling the story how God loves we're familiar with this story, but I want to take a different angle at it. And I want to take it from the Father's point of view. And many of us have even heard this point of view, but the Holy Ghost showed me some things about condemnation and conviction about the love of God. Now notice something here. Um, the son came to him and said, I want basically this inheritance. Notice, even though the father probably disagreed with that, he still gave it to him. He still gave it to him. In fact, the father agreed to divide the wealth between his sons. You must understand that the father didn't try to convince his son to stay, even though he knew he was wrong. It's so important that we walk that line to when we know somebody's wrong, there's times that you got by the Holy Ghost, they're just going to have to learn a lesson. And start to try to convince them to do something that you feel is right for them. There is a time that you just got to release them and let them, let them go. Can I get a better amen than that? And it got awfully quiet. You, you just got to let them go. The, the father had every reason to say, no, I'm not going to give you the money. You're not old enough. You're not going to make the right decisions. You just need to stay. But he didn't. He said, all right, here you go, and just let him go. Now, again, in context here, this is how God loves. There's things, and I can give examples in my own life. There are things in my life that I convinced God to let me have, and it wasn't God. And I paid dearly for it. But God, in his, just his love, he's like, well, obviously, I'm trying to tell you don't do this, but guess what? You're going to have to learn. How many ever had kids that are like that? You're going to have to learn. I'm going to tell you a story about my middle son, Chris. Um, he's the one that's, uh, um, well, all of my kids are like me, but Chris is a lot like me in the sense that he's just, pain has always been a teacher for him. <laughs> and, and, um, I remember one day he was about four years old. We had a parsonage right by the church and I was working and, and Chris, when he was real little, he would love to come over to my office and just give me a hug. And I loved it. Love it. I mean, just a very affectionate boy. And, and he'd come over there, and one time he saw my keys to my truck. I was sitting on the desk, and he saw the light socket across from my, my desk. Yeah, oh, he's right. And I saw it in his eyes. He, he got those keys, and he's playing with the keys, and he, he saw the socket and goes, Hmm, I wonder what would happen if I stuck the key into the socket. And I saw him thinking that. Come on, how many, how many dads here have seen your son think like, you're like or moms are like, I already know what you're about to do. Don't do it. And I told him that. I said, son, don't do that. And he kind of put the keys back on it. And so he played somewhere else. And then a couple minutes later, if less than that, he grabbed the keys and he looked at the socket. And I said, son, you don't need to do that. And he's, he just like, <laughs> he put it down. Third time he went over there and I'm like, son, don't do it. And he didn't put the keys down. So I just kept on kind of working, but I was eyeing him. And I watched him go over to the socket. And you might think I'm a bad dad, but he learned a lesson. He went over. He went, I'm old school. But anyways, he went over there, and I saw him um, stick that key into the socket. And bam! <laughs> Smoke, and it was just bam. And it shocked him, so he just stood back and just went. And then turned around, looked at me, and went, and I remember going, son, I love you, but I told you don't do that. I mean, remember Paul Harvey, the rest of the story. The rest of the story is this. So Miss Daphne comes in because she hears Chris crying. And I'm consoling Chris. And, and Daphne goes, why is he crying? I said, well, babe, he stuck keys in the socket over there. Well, why do you let him do that? And so as she's doing that, why did you let him do it? She goes over there to get the keys out of the socket. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was a glorious day for me. Because <laughs> I didn't stop her. I was just like, go ahead. <laughs> that's why she got shot. bam I said, that's why. <laughs> Smoke's coming out. No, you got you got I'm preaching right now. <laughs> I was just going to say, I was holding him, too. I picked him up to hug him, so he got shocked twice. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but they learned a lesson. <laughs> they learned a lesson. There's times you can tell somebody over and over again, but you got to... 
you got to learn a lesson. It's hard, but it's a God kind of love to let them learn a lesson. Now the world's like, no, no, you got to protect them. you got to keep them from doing that. No, no, in God's way of doing things, God's like, I'm going to help you. But there comes a point to where it's all on you. But the thing that I learned with my son, I was right there when it happened. I was not going to let him get like crazy hurt or anything, but he was going to get a touch of electricity to teach him a lesson. I mean, he gonna, it was a shocking situation for him. But I was right there, and I did not plan on my wife getting shocked either. I enjoyed it, but I didn't plan on it. <laughs> I slept on the couch for a couple days after that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Back to love. <laughs> Tough love, baby. <laughs> but notice something. The father didn't try to convince the son to stay. He didn't try to convince the son to stay. But not only that, he not only knew that he was going to probably mess up and, and do all the things, but he blessed him anyways. He gave him the inheritance. And that's the God kind of love. Even though you could be wrong, God's still going to be there. And there's, I'm going to even say this, there's an element of when somebody does things um, not in a rebellious way, but just making a bad decision, there still can be a little bit of a blessing in that. Because that's how much God loves us. Because he just loves to bless us. The blessing could have been so much greater if he didn't, but even in my own life, I can tell, there's times that, that I made bad decisions, but there still was a blessing there. But I know in my heart of hearts, it could have been so much better. So he even blessed him. And then we know the rest of this story here. The father actually, he goes out and he spends all the money and he eats all the, the pig slop and all that kind of stuff. And he makes the decision to come home. But notice something here. Even though his son was out there, the father was still looking for him the whole time. That's the love of God. Even though they was wrong, like I was in, in the United supermarket, even though what they did was wrong, I was trying to avoid them. A true love of God won't try to avoid somebody that's done you wrong. But you'll be looking for God to restore it. You'll be looking for God to make it right. That's the love of God. It's not a condemnation. It was a conviction that came on his son. He realized, hold up. It's a whole lot better even as an employee of my dad. That's the difference. Because if his dad came out and said, no, you can't do this. No, you don't need, you, you're, too, you're too young. You're too this. You're too this. You're about to make the biggest mistake of your life. And that judgment comes on them. They will never really experience true love in learning that I'm going to be here when you make a mistake. I'm going to be there regardless. That's a true kind of love. That's a God kind of love. And obviously that kind of love convicted him and he got right. Are uh, you seeing what I'm saying here? It, it, it was a conviction that came on him. I could go back home and get better as an employee. So as he's looking for his son's return, instead of holding a grudge for his son, he chose to be looking for his son, and his son came back, and they obviously threw a party. Was there a punishment? Was there anything bad that happened to his son? No, absolutely. He said, man, I want to bless him. He made the right decision. He was convicted by God, and he came back home. Let's bless him. I don't need to even bring up who was right or who was wrong. Because you don't hear that. The father didn't say, see, I was right. You're wrong. Here you're coming back. I knew you'd come back. He didn't say anything like that. He said, we're going to have a party. We're going to throw a party. In fact, I don't even know what happened. I don't care what happened. It's as far as the east is from the west. So Mars, you've removed our transgressions. We're restored right now. The past is in the past. Let's throw a party. That same love that Jesus was talking about is how we're to love others. Come on. That same love, even though somebody does us wrong, and even though we think we're right, we still love them anyways. And we're looking for an opportunity to bring restoration. We're looking for an opportunity for God to make things right. Let me give you another example of this. Turn over to John chapter 8. Y'all still with me tonight? Hallelujah. John chapter 8, verse number 1. Thank God for the love of God. But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning, he came again into the temple. Let me just say this. Jesus went to church. I said, Jesus went to church. And if you call yourself a believer, you go to church. 
a whole other message. But anyways, now early in the morning, Jesus came into the temple and all the people <clears throat> came to him and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what do you say? Now hold up. They caught her in the act. It sounds like condemnation to bring punishment on somebody. Not the love of God. Let me, let me say this. Religion is always going to be tied to condemnation. There's always going to be a tie in when it comes to religion because religion recognizes when somebody's wrong and wants to punish them for it. Wants them to, to feel a pain because of it. And these Pharisees, these guys were like, she was caught in adultery. You know what the law says? She needs to be stoned. Love Jesus. How many love Jesus? This they said, testing him, verse number six, that they may have something to which, of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped, stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Notice the condemnation that they were trying to put on her didn't even move Jesus. He just knit down and just rolled in the sand. We don't know exactly what it was. Some people said they were writing his name, all those people's names out. I don't know what it was. All he knows is that you don't see him responding to condemnation. Now, notice something here. Oh, this is so good. Look at your neighbor and say, this is so good. Whoo, verse 7. So when they continued to ask him, he raised himself up. Notice they were bugging him about it. He was like trying not to respond to that. He was just, finally, they were, he had to because they were making such a big stink about it. And he said to them, he who is without sin among you, let them throw a stone at her first. Notice the truth of what Jesus said. It was truth, but he didn't say all of y'all wrong. He basically said, he, he put it on them. And he, and he said, he is without sin among you. Let them throw the first stone. What happened? Verse 8. And again, he stooped down and started writing on the ground. There's times when confrontation needs to take place that you don't really have to say a whole lot. Because the more you say, the worse it'll get. You just need to speak the truth and let the Holy Ghost take care of the rest. And that's what happened. Notice this. Verse number 9. And those who heard it being convicted. Somebody say convicted. Being convicted by their conscience went out one by one beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus left, was left alone with the woman standing in the midst. So what convicted them? It wasn't condemnation. Jesus saying y'all missed it. Y'all supposed to, y'all know the law. Y'all should love this woman even if she's messing up. He didn't say anything like that. He said you, uh, you without sin throw the first stone. And then conviction of the, I believe it's conviction of the Holy Ghost came on them. Whoa, hold up. He's right. He's right. He didn't have to have a deep theological discussion about Moses' law. Didn't have to go through all the discussions about who's right or who's wrong. Interpretation of the Bible. But it don't matter. Now check this out. And when he raised, verse 10. And when he had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Now, let me say this about condemnation. Condemnation is not only a judgment, but it accuses people of wrong. He had to be so careful about that. Now, it goes on here. Now, woman, who are your accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. And then we know right after that, she led a huge revival that took place. And, and many, 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 many lives were forever changed. Why? Because Jesus chose not to step into that condemnation, but to allow the Spirit of God to convict a person or people of what they were doing wrong. Is this helping anybody here today? If we're to minister to the world outside of these four walls, we first must not have a condemnation way about us as people, judging others about their actions, judging others about this and this. And this. We must not have that kind of thing going on in church. Because when they walk in, they sense that. Come on. When somebody that's never been saved or has fallen away from God, they sense, I was one of them. They came in and felt that condemnation, that judgment. That's the last thing we need in the body of Christ. 
Now, if they come in, like we've heard of revival services for many years, well, people come in. I was a part of one in the early 70s in Lubbock, Texas. Uh, there was a huge, they called the Jesus Movement. And there was a powerful move of God going on in Lubbock, Texas. And I'll never forget, I was a little boy. I was probably about four or five years old. And I was watching, I didn't really understand what was going on, but I was watching drug dealers and drug addicts running into church, running to the altar with all of their drugs, throwing it at the altar, and the pastor was getting them saved. During praise and worship, during all this, it was a huge move. And I'm a little kid going, Mommy, what's that? What's that? And then after service, the deputy sheriff's department would be outside the church to come and get all the drugs off the stage. What was happening? There was a conviction of the Holy Ghost that was hitting the church. There was love there. They felt enough love to come to church that they wouldn't be judged. There was enough love in the house that they came in. And the moment that they stepped foot in the door, there was the Holy Ghost was there and began to convict them. The people love me even though I'm a drug even, even though I just shot up on the way to church. They still love me. I need this. I need this Jesus that they're offering. I, I got to have whatever it is. I don't want this anymore. But if somebody sees a drug dealer come in or somebody comes in and gives them that eye like, what are you doing here? What kind of message does that communicate to the world that Jesus sent us to? We had a, a drunk guy come in in our church one time. Thank God for our ushers. And um, um, he came in, and he sat in the back row, and you could just smell. He was just all, and, um, and he was starting to kind of disrupt the service a little bit. And our usher, thank God that the ushers are trained, not just to kick him out, but he started, one of our ushers started ministering to this guy. He was drunk and ministered to him. He sobered up and got saved. Got saved. Now, there's precautions that you have to have, especially in the world that we live in. Thank God for security. and you got to have that. you got to be led by the Holy Ghost even with that. But you could tell if somebody's truly wanting God or somebody's going to come in and try to mess things up. You, you could tell by the Holy Ghost. But this guy, he just wanted God. He was something that was drawing him to our church. And the ushers loved him. He got saved. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's the love of God. That causes repentance. There's a goodness of God that leads people to repentance. What is good about God? He loves us. He, he doesn't condemn us. Turn back over to, or turn over to John chapter 16. I'll begin to close this up. Again, that doesn't mean anything, but, you know, it's just something nice to say. Uh, John chapter 16, verse number 7. Because, again, like Pastor Jack said, we're going to lay hands on people and, and um, allow the Spirit of God to move. John chapter 16, verse number 7. God doesn't condemn the world, but he convicts the world. Notice this, John 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. Jesus is talking here. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Notice this. What is the helper, the Holy Spirit, supposed to do? And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Who's the convictor of sin? The Holy Spirit. Our job is just to reveal truth. The Holy Spirit is to convict people. No matter how much word I try to give, no matter how much advice I try to give, how much encouragement, I, I am not the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the one that convicts people of their sin. Even though I'm in sin, it's the Spirit of God, so I am not the Holy Ghost. And it's almost, it's almost a, a, a bad place to be when you begin to think that you're going to take the responsibility of the Holy Ghost and bring conviction on somebody. That's dangerous ground. <laughs> That's dangerous ground. Um, I, I can't stress that enough. That's dangerous grounds. My responsibility, our responsibility as believers, not as a pastor, but as believers, when we see something wrong, we go to them in a loving way, Pray with them. Share your heart with them. Let them see how much you love them. Don't present something that's in a, a very demeaning way, disrespectful way to them. Love them. Help them through it. Many times I've gone again, and I, I, I was like, I, I see this in your life. You just need to make a little tweak here. Um, I don't know if I, I I'm going to go ahead and just do it. Um, woo, glory to God. I'm going to just, just, just go this direction. We had... Um, Man, um, I had a situation. Let me just put it this way. I'm, I'm walking gently here. I had a situation with a leader in our church that um, I saw something on Facebook. He took, um, he took a little vacation, and I saw something on Facebook, and he was holding um, an alcoholic beverage um, in this picture. And he's a leader in our church. 
I mean, that don't go too well. I mean, I, I, can't, I can't stop them from doing things at their own house. But when they're a leader, obviously, there's, there's got to be something. So I, confer- I, took a, I took a screenshot of it and texted it to him. And just said, hey, bro, can we talk about this? Um, I don't know what's going on, but hey, man, I'm here for you. Let's just talk about it. And that's all I said in the text. He texted me back. He said, yes, we need to talk about it, Pastor. I'm sorry. I didn't do, I didn't, I didn't say, I just, I saw it. And I just said, hey, we need, we need to talk about this. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, there, there's got to be the repentance of that and all that kind of stuff. And I, let me just say this about the whole alcohol thing and just real be, be refreshed. Anything that brings you comfort other than God is wrong. There's, there's all this kind of stuff about it's okay to drink and all that kind of stuff and, and all that. I, whoopie do. I don't care what you think about that. But if it makes you feel more comfortable than God, that's a problem. That's a problem. Amen. And uh, you're talking about somebody that was an alcoholic, drugs, and all that kind of stuff. I, can, I guarantee you, if anything else, and it don't have to be alcohol. It could be food. You could use food as a comfort thing, and that could become an idol. Can I preach real good right now? <laughs> because I'm not just pointing a finger at people that drink and things. It could be people that just go and eat at the buffet too much. Shonda, we got to lay hands on people right now. So I'm not trying to be, I'm just, I'm just saying it, just, just saying it, it, it can be a problem. Especially when you're leadership, and this is the reason why. If you're a leader and you're caught drinking in a bar or something like that, there might be somebody that you're influencing that have come, and I was one of those that are coming out of alcoholism and stuff, and if I see a leader or a mentor in my life that's drinking, then it's okay to drink. Next thing you know, I'm addicted to it again. I have just now become their stumbling block, and that's a problem. Then I'm held in judgment for being a stumbling block for somebody. And I didn't even know they were in the same restaurant I was at or anything. And I'm held for that. I'm held accountable for that. And I don't want to go there. Amen. 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 Go ahead and say, I love you, Pastor. <laughs> Just throw the curse light out when you get home. I don't even know what everybody drinks anymore, but it don't matter. I mean, it's been so long since I've drank. I don't even know. Whatever it is, bush light or whatever it is. I mean... <laughs> I'm going to close with these two scriptures. Maybe four, but we'll see. No. Romans chapter 12. Really, we got, we're going to close this up here. Um, Romans chapter 12. God's love has convicting power to it. And, and, and we, we have to just understand that. Romans chapter 12, verse 19. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place, uh, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. So when somebody does you wrong, don't try to get them back with it. Don't, don't try to justify and all that kind of stuff. Let God take care of it. And then it goes on, verse 20. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you heap coals of fire on his head. Do not overcome don't, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. What is that phrase by heaping, heap, heaping coals of fire on their head? That's the convicting power of God. When somebody does you wrong, you go bless them. I've told businessmen this many times. Well, they took my money. Well, praise God, that was a blessing to them. Don't hold a grudge. Uh, we, had, we hired a contractor to do some stuff at our house years ago. And um, he didn't finish the job. Cost us $8,000 or something like that. And um, the guy took off. And he took off money for other people that were doing some stuff in our town. Took off. Don't even know where he's at. Made me mad. I'm like, all right. The mob side of me is about to come out. And I'm not even around the mob. I'm just like, I could, anyways. And it started. I was like, no. The Lord, the Lord got on to me about because I was starting to get mad. He took my money. And I had to pay the bank back for that because it was a loan kind of situation. And uh, I, we finally got all that paid off. But I, I started to get mad. And the Lord said this, if, if somebody steals your coat, you give them another one. He said, if he, if he was bad enough for him to steal 8000 let it go. And you know what? God blessed us when we sold that house. When we sold that house, we made $100,000 profit on that house. Amen. So $8,000, $100,000, I'm all right with it. Be blessed. Be blessed. Be blessed. Be blessed.
First Peter chapter 3, verse number 8. And seriously, I'll close with this one and, and we'll pray. Passion Translation says this, Ephesians 3, verse 8. Now this is the goal, to live in harmony with one another and demonstrate affectionate love, sympathy, and kindness towards other believers. Let humility describe who you are as, dear, as you dearly love one another. Never, somebody say never. Never retaliate when somebody treats you wrongly, nor insult those who insult you. But instead, respond by speaking a blessing over them. Because a blessing is what God promised to give you. For the scriptures tell us, whoever wants to embrace true life and find beauty in each day must stop speaking evil, hurtful words, and never deceive uh, in what they say. Always turn from what is wrong and cultivate what is good. Eagerly pursue peace in every relationship, making it your prize. Amazing to know the width, the length, the depth, the height, to know the love of Christ, which passes all knowledge. That is the love of God. Amen. It's so easy for the world to creep in and love like the world loves. But we're not of this world. God sent his son because he loved the world. Jesus sent us into the world because we love the world. Period. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I love you. Find somebody else around you and say, I love you. I might not know you very well, but I love you. <laughs> I love you, brother, with the love of God. <laughs> I love you with the love of God. Nothing else. Just the love of God, brother. <laughs> we, we good, man. We, I love you, man. I love you, man. <laughs> I love you, Lord. Welcome everyone and thank you for joining us at Life Family Church Podcast. We exist to reach, disciple, and empower people to live in the fullness of God. If you're new to our church or want to learn more about us and what we believe, you can check us out online by simply going to lifefamilychurch.net. We hope you enjoy this week's message.